from the Journal of Dinius T. Seaver, 1928, Los Angeles. After three weeks of dusty roads, broken tires, and impromptu shows in hotel lobbies, I have arrived in this magical place. I checked into the Orange Grove home for men and have settled into a fine daily routine. I wake up, do my fitness stretches, then I splash a little water from the basin on my face and oil and comb my hair. Then I give Mr. Gentry's nose and head a polish. I hang him up on a little hook I've put into the plaster, don't tell Ms. Lennison in the leasing office, to make sure the wrinkles don't set in his suit. Sometimes I'll slide my hand in his back where the mechanisms are hidden under his starched white shirt and say good morning, ask him how he slept. I practice our signature bit where he sings a little jazz as I sip from a coffee mug. Then I head downstairs to grab the classified sections of a handful of papers left by the other gents in the common room. I walk across Franklin Street to get a seat at the counter at the diner and order a bowl of oatmeal with a handful of raisins. I pocket a few raisins for lunch later. The rest of the day is eaten up with bringing Mr. Gentry to meetings with production studios, and by meetings I mean lingering outside the studio lot with him, making small talk with the secretaries and set builders who come and go at lunchtime. Some of the studio gals stop and laugh, and I flirt through Mr. Gentry's teasing observations about what they're wearing or the weather. I once got called in to help some folks celebrate a birthday, but that's about as far as I've gotten. I didn't want to leave, but Tom Thornton, the security guard at the front gate, ushered me out. Not before slipping a piece of extra cake into my coat pocket wrapped in a napkin. I've pinned that little napkin to the plaster above the small table in my room. It has the studio logo on it, and every day I think, I'm going to work there someday. But for now, it's just me and Mr. Gentry, trying to make a go of it. In this beautiful city of dreams where the air is clean and smells like orange blossoms, and no one ever has a mean thing to say about anyone. Well, L.A. hasn't changed one bit. Good old Dinius, another one of my ancestors, working in a very American style. Unfortunately, the puppet, Mr. Gentry, went on to star in 14 pictures put out by MGM, but it was without Dinius at his side. They bought the little fella outright, and Dinius retreated into a life of booze and mysticism. He worked as a groundskeeper for the Source family and kept things tidy at their vegan cafe on sunset till the end of his life. He choked on a daikon radish and went on to the great beyond. His is but one of the many spirits that we can access when we enter the strange realm we call the Deep Night. Friends, hello, it's me, Dale Seaver, and I'm so pleased to be with you again this week as we continue a fine and strange and, let's face it, emotional season of this program. I keep getting choked up hearing from so many talented people pursuing their dreams. Oh, we come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus, a place so polluted that when the pilgrims arrived, they said, "'Rebuckle your shoes, we can eat turkey and stuffing somewhere else.'" Today on the program, what fun, what absolute joy it is to have comedian, actor, puppeteer Phoebe Bottoms as my guest. I think you'll find there's a lot of wonderful things in our back and forth here from building characters, finding one's voice, and listening to the universe. Plus, we really give Delta Airlines a piece of our minds. She's back and forth between New York and L.A. now, producing shows on both coasts, including Good God here in Brooklyn. But you can also find her online to see how her other projects are developing. Let's go now to my conversation with Phoebe Bottoms.
Phoebe Bottoms. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. How is your New York experience uh, this time around? What a town. I'll say that. It's uh it's a big apple. That's what they say. They do say that and I you know, you hop on in like a little worm yes. your way through it. Yes, you've taken a bite out of it, have you? You just take a couple munches and all of a sudden, you know, it's a it's a surprising city. It's so incredibly different from where I come from. Yes, which is out in Los Angeles. Tinseltown. That's right. <laughs> Tinseltown, got... USA is what they call it. Hollywood land, <laughs> as it used to be. Yeah, the uh, the big, no, that's New Orleans, the big easy. I don't I don't think we have like a big. Uh, I don't think so. Anything attached to it. No. I'm figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tinseltown is pretty glittery. I like that. Tinseltown's my favorite. Yeah. I've, I've wanted to start uh, using that as my address. It's like. <laughs> Blah blah blah. It would get there. It's a long pre-avenue, Tinseltown, California. Yeah. Yeah. How much mail are you getting anyway? Oh, not much. <laughs> yeah. No. With mail is I'm gone. not friends with a bunch of widows from the 18th century, <laughs> so I don't get a lot of like letters. <laughs> not a lot of uh, messages from the home front. No. It's <laughs> uh, being sent back there. Uh, from mothers, the front to the home. Mothers died of consumption. <laughs> Send this quick to Tinseltown. <laughs> right. Well, and you've been here doing this Good God show. I have been. and It's a couple times now? Yeah, so this was the second uh, second month of it. Good yeah. God is a program that myself and uh, three other wonderful comedians put together. Shane a, Torres. A, pro- a program like, what do you mean? Like you got to com- be a oh, member? A, a comedy. Oh, okay. All right. Show. <laughs> not a rehab situation. <laughs> no, right. no it's, not a, it's not a facility. Okay. <laughs> there's not steps that are I mean, specific. I think there's, there's it's a double level, so there's three steps to get okay. down to the you know, yes. showroom. <laughs> yes, okay. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Jokes. <laughs> uh, so you, Shane Torres. Shane Torres, Tom Takar, and Caitlin Cook. Well, let me tell you something. Those are some three great people. Wonderful people. Add you into the mix, it's four. Hey, that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty wonderful. It's a really great time. And, and it's a comedy show, variety show. What happens? Comedy show with a little variety mixed in. We had uh, AJ Holmes uh, of Broadway uh, Heard of come it. and close it. Out. <laughs> oh, he's a board treader. Um, <laughs> uh, close it out with some great musical numbers. So that was a fun variety to add into it. Our mm-hmm. first show, we had David Cross, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Chris Gethard was in this last last iteration of it. Wow. Yeah. Next month, uh, Roy Wood Jr. is our uh, headliner. Boy, that's terrific. That's November 19th. Yeah. So if you're hearing this, come down to the Sultan Room in Bushwick. Yes. In uh, New York City. It's a very evocative venue, isn't it? It's very evocative. It's uh, my stepbrother's club, and his best friend opened it uh, based on a supper club in Cable, Wisconsin, near the cabin we grew up going to, and it's a blast. Loaded. It had a little, uh, I know there's some Minneapolis uh, uh, origin to your origin. Yeah, yeah. So we're- grew up there. Yep, that's- <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> I'm making origin that story. complicated. I got bit by a spider and I lived in Minneapolis. That's <laughs> right. my origin story in a nutshell. <laughs> and there's a place, the, the Polonaise uh, room, right? What was that place called? Nice. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, That had a kind of uh, supper club vibe it did. to it, didn't it? A lot of booths. A lot of booths. Actually, yeah. they have they have nice seating, I think, at the club. They have something of nice. Wow. Maybe the doors? Because nice closed and they turned it into condos because right. you know how you do. 
with a with a landmark situation. So vital to have condos. It's just really important, especially that they're like ugly and will clearly be outdated visually by uh, 2023. Yes. So that's fun. It's sort of sprawling student housing in a neighborhood that was once the best neighborhood. Yes. Um, so that's great. That's great. They leveled it. Uh, but I think uh, Tyler and Varun, whose club it is, I think they got some nice stuff. That's Because wonderful. the club itself is completely put together by uh, everything at the original club, Turks, in Cable in Hayward, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. They went and uh, to the auction after the owner died and just bought everything oh that so, place also closed yes right right, right. Condos so the, too. i hope what they also put condos there too uh they didn't it's still just the shell of the place because oh. it's in hayward and it's uh you know the condo sprawl hasn't reached that far it's coming <laughs> condos are coming yeah but not quite yet no maybe they could turn it into one small condo like a squatter's condo <laughs> i'm sure someone's squatting it individual condos now that's a good idea interesting <laughs> Never heard of that before. That's Single gonna, family. That's what I'm going to start calling my house. I mean, I don't live in a house. I'm not a king. But. <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, you do uh, seem, uh, well, that's great. I'm happy for the show, and it's continuing. And so what, are you going to be coming back and forth? I'm bi-coastal now. Oh, my gosh. Look at this. Me and my little dog fly out every month and yeah. uh, do a whole... What's the airline? Delta, usually. There we go. What kind of status are we talking about? Oh, Gold? steerage. Steerage. Yeah, like we do. We have little like jigs and dance parties in the back of the oh. plane, displaying your colorful ethnic dances back there. Yeah, we don't yeah. have a lot, but we make it count. God, you know, God good, bless good on you. us. Every day's a miracle. <laughs> if they usually run out of cheese its by the time they get to you. Don't oh, they? absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we're just grateful for whatever we can get <laughs> back there. Yeah, I'm not happy about the shift to cheese its I'll just say it. I'll I'll double that. They gave us little meals. This time and I was so excited because yeah. free food is I, – I got a job catering just to learn how to get hors d'oeuvres in a more efficient way as some <laughs> like someone training for a heist. <laughs> it's an absurd <laughs> obsession I have. But That's a good idea, though. I did a little catering myself. Oh, man. You, you know where all the back doors are? You know where the security cameras are? I go, you know how to get in and out? It's a, it's, you case the place. Yeah. You case the joint. White shirt, black pants. You can get in anywhere. You go in there, you get yourself a black tie. Yeah. Baby, you're eating shrimp puffs by 9 p.m. I'll tell you that for free. Um, But yeah, so they told us, they like came through, and it was one of these big old planes where you got all these rows of seats as though you're flying international. Yeah, the middle section. I was in, I mean, I was in a two seater on the. left side of the plane this is very important by the way that's right i'm staying with it um and uh yeah but there's all that's primo spot by the way primo spot primo you want to be on one of the sides you get that middle section it's no it's mayhem over there i need a window to lean on and i got this little dog and she likes to look out the window and it's just easier to not have a person on one side of us to create a little home in many things I just wanted to let that sit for a second. Um, so they come through the, before the plane takes off, and they're like, here's a menu. Yeah. And my eyes well up with tears just out of excitement and gratitude <laughs> for the Sky Lords that have bestowed the full harvest upon us. Yes. And uh, I was like, what is this? And the girl sitting next to me uh, was like, oh, yeah, they gave us food. They gave us a little meal on the way back. And I flipped out right. thinking it's going to be a whole situation yeah because guess what 
this guy loves airplane food. Yeah. I don't sure. care what the cliche is. I love it. <laughs> no. I like elementary school, cafeteria food, and airplane food. Yeah. Anyway, it's this little stupid meal, it turns out. Yeah. There's nothing to it. And and we're still... talking a snack pack? We're talking a box? We're talking well, a cheese plate? So it was like it was a like a little cardboard boat. Yep. And the food itself was fine, yes. but it just it was like a couple chunks of chicken and a little pile of quinoa, mm. some kalamata olives and little nuggets of pita bread. Mm, sounds like a protein pack to me. It was a bit of a pro it was a Mediterranean fiesta, <laughs> is what I think I'd call it. And uh I hadn't like eaten yet because <laughs> Yeah, I was stuck at the airport. Yep. I, I, and, once, you, and you know you're going to have something on the plane. I guess. Right? Yeah, maybe. Even pretzels, Look, nuts. I was free falling. Yeah. But usually they have something you can, they have yep. meals you can buy. So yes, I assumed there was going to be food on the plane. Right. Um, but I didn't realize it was going to be this sort of weird, you know, feudalist situation where it's like, <laughs> yeah, there's food, but since you didn't pay for it, you don't get to have more of it. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. So they bring these, and then I feel like a, you know, like a jackass being like, can I have one more meal, please? If that girl hadn't been sitting next to me, who I had created this small friendship with before taking off, we bonded over me having to watch Aladdin <laughs> on the flight. And uh, anyway, if she hadn't been there, I would have been like, may I have eight more meals? No dice. So they come by with drinks, and I'm still hungry, and I'm like... Hey, so are there any other snacks? And uh, they're like, she seemed put out Mm. by it, which is an odd reaction. I'm not in your house. No. I'm not rummaging through your fridge. This is a six-hour flight. Reasonable request. Thank you. And she's like, we have almonds or something? I'm like, I don't want almonds. I said, do you have anything other than nuts? And she said, yeah, I guess there's Cheez-Its. Yeah. So now I'm settling for Cheez-Its. Yeah. Everyone's settling. For they weren't even good. No, I put them in my mouth, and it was they were like hard and rude. <laughs> I hated it. I was so mad, and I didn't even eat the rest of the thing because you get a tummy ache from them. It's like a coarse colicking when you eat Cheez Its. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. I'm I'm glad I stirred this hornet's nest up. I'm though. so my sorry. goodness. It's the whole. It's a screed. <laughs> I feel you though. I fly a lot. So I feel exactly what what you're talking about there. What's your so, What's your favorite uh, airline? Oh, I'm a Delta man too. You're a Delta because man. I'm, I got gold status now. So I'm. Do you really? You know, getting those automatic upgrades and things. Jesus. Yeah. What's that like? Oh, it's heaven. Take me on a tour. Three man. inches of extra seating. Uh, any movie you want to watch, you had to watch Aladdin. You were forced. I. There were. Let me. I, I would love to sit here and lie to you and say it's the only movie they had, but there were a hundred <laughs> okay. different fucking movies. And I really, uh, my friend who I was coming to see here was, was saying he had just watched Aladdin the night before. So it was out of camaraderie and having I something see. to talk about. Yep. And here's the thing. I can't watch real movies on a plane. Real movies. Movies that have quality to them. Oh, I see. So uh, Art of Self-Defense was on there, a movie I'd been waiting to see in the theater. It came and went before I had a chance. A little art house video. Would love to take a look at it. I started watching it. I couldn't make it five minutes in. I need something so stupid on a plane. I got it. And Aladdin was two over two hours of trash, (laughs) but I watched all of it. They added a bunch of like political stuff into it. Jafar has this territory war going on. Don't. That's what people want. Cut it. <laughs> That's what people Disney, mean. if you're listening. <laughs> I love the animated segments of the uh, t- 
territory war, the conflict <laughs> between the Sunni and Shia was yeah. my favorite number. <laughs> <laughs> they like made new Hamilton style songs oh, for boy. it. Yeah. Well, here's my two movie experiences on the plane. Please. And uh, then we can move on to other things uh, if you want. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I watched, uh, of course, as intended, I watched Sunset Boulevard on the plane. Okay, great. A great classic uh, a film, and uh, I liked it. I didn't Had mind that it was Had you seen only... it before? I feel like I kept falling asleep trying to watch it. And so this time I said, well, here, you have my focused attention. I'm going to watch this right. film. And it was fine. The other one I watched, a Katy Perry's documentary about her, like right after her breakup. This is going back a few years. Yeah. But uh, I've watched other films. But, I mean, these two really stood out. Weeping, constantly weeping throughout the Katy Perry documentary. That's, I love that. It was a beautiful thing how she struggled and how she just went. She got a text saying the marriage or relationship was over. She had to go on stage that night. Unbelievable. I admire that perseverance. She just bought a convent in my neighborhood. That's wonderful. I don't, I, I <laughs> could elaborate more on that, but I don't want to. Is it like a, uh, what's the kid singing? Not nonsense. What's the other one with the uh, Whoopi Goldberg? Uh, back in the sister, uh, sister, uh, sister act. act. Back in the habit. There we go. Yeah, that's it. That kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. Okay. She started. She like bought a. Yeah, she bought this giant nun compound in Los Feliz, and I, I don't know what she's planning. She's like moving her and her mom into it, but it's acres. In the middle of the city, I don't know where or how. It's like a Narnia situation. It has to be. That's. I mean, that's impressive. I mean, what she started in the church, though, I think she has a real religious... I watched like, the I documentary. I'm saying, like, I think. I know exactly what she did. <laughs> I love that you're a local expert of Katy Perry. She's an entertainer. She is. And uh, so I'm drawn to that kind of personality. Absolutely. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And, you know, Bob Hope bought up a lot of land in L.A., too. What I, would you do with all the money? I'd also buy up a lot of land. Sure. I but I'd have it be right next served. to Katy Perry. Yeah, we'd get in like neighbor wars. Oh yeah. We'd like Katy Perry, trim your shrubs. <laughs> They're leaning over my my expanse. <laughs> you have about a little a property yeah. dispute where you build a fence and then she builds yep. a fence just six inches away, and then there's kind of a dead zone of weeds that grows up in between the two. We both come out for the newspaper in our robes, <laughs> smoking cigarettes, in our, you know, like. Yeah. Heart print boxers just kind of yep. look at each other and cup of coffee. Hey, Katie, Phoebe, we go back up throughout our day. That's it. But then I have a kid, and uh-huh. it becomes this Dennis the Menace situation oh, with Katy Perry, uh-huh. you know, always causing havoc. Katy Perry has a husband, and he's like, Katie, you have to play with Dennis. This is okay, this is becoming a long. Phoebe, I want to talk to you about puppets. Everyone usually does. Yeah, is Let's... it? Are you all puppeted out? No, 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 no. Not, okay. It just, I. It seemed like some kind of reaction. <laughs> it's the only. Re- it's the first time I've reacted like that. Yeah. In I love talking about it. You do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you often perform with puppets. I am Henson trained in puppeteering and it seems to it's the only interesting thing about me i don't think so this whole cheese it deal was pretty great the what the cheese it thing was pretty good well that's passion yeah that's what i'm passionate about this is a job and i I, professionally yes yes yeah uh (laughs) so here's what i'm wondering though 
uh, is it is it the deal where it's always the same puppet? And if so, does the puppet choose you? Do you walk into a thing and it's all eyes and felt and fur and it kind of comes together? And uh, then you, like a clown, would uh, get their face and their name and then you you are bonded with such an entity? That's an interesting question. Well, thank you. That's a great question. No one's ever asked me that sort of question before. See? Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Not that there's any wrong way to ask a question, especially about puppets, yeah. but... I have like a real answer for that. Okay. I have uh I have a couple puppets. There is one who is like my guy. Yeah. And I got him. So small bit of backstory. In 2014, I was fucking around on Facebook and just scrolling through back when Facebook wasn't just a graveyard full of, you know, moms and Mad comedians from the Midwest who still have the word comedian in front of their name. Take the word comedian out of the we, whatever. Anyway, yes. Scrolling through Facebook and uh, my when husband, it was cool. Yeah, back when it was just <laughs> still a nightmare that everyone was participating in. Yes. Uh, my husband uh, was like, "Oh, hey, go back." And there was this thing that a friend of ours in Minneapolis had reposted from the Henson Company, saying that. Uh, it was just this open letter saying, hey, uh, we're at capacity for white men. We're looking to train um, men of color and women. And I'm like, I'm a man of color or a woman. That's and right. uh, the, they wanted people with comedy backgrounds uh, who were interested in puppets to just submit a reel and a little blurb. Um, even more backstory, my dad was... Um, in the first season of The Muppet Show, he was at Broadway. He was doing a show on Broadway in 77 or something, and Henson saw him. What call- was the show? Uh, I, th- it, I think it was Two Gents. Oh. Yeah, and uh, and he also did Dance With Me then, but he was like Tony nominated for Two Gents of Verona. Pretty good. Very good. He's one of the <clears throat> founding members of, members of the public theater in La Mama. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just shout out to yeah, Experimental Joseph Theater. Joseph Papp or yep. something, yeah. Um, anyway, so he was on Broadway, Henson saw him, and then you know called him into his office and was like, Hey, John, I'm uh, writing a Broadway musical, and I'd love for you to play a rock. And my dad was like, Whatever you say, sir, you seem like you're full of magic. <laughs> anyway... Uh, he trains with him yeah. for a long time and then gets a call like a year or two later from Jim saying that they're shooting this new show called The Muppet Show in London. He wants to fly him out to be in the first season of it. Dad slept out there and he's in, I think it's the Florence Henderson episode of the first season. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, fast forward. Now, well, hold on before you fast forward, please, if I may. Uh, so, uh, what, what was the role there, though? He was in one of like the full oh, body yes, costumes, full body, dancing, full body costumes. He was uh, called a mutation. They're like a furry purple thing in a little suit. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool to hear about. And then, and so like doing the full dance number in like a, what is like now like a, almost a mascot kind yeah. of a suit, yeah, yeah. although clearly there's differences. Um, at dancing with Florence Henderson. Or doing some kind of dance number behind her or something. Right. Yeah. On monitors. So everything is backwards. There's a thing about puppeteering that Uh, everyone should know is that when we do it, we're looking into a monitor. Uh Uh-huh. And all of... It's mirrored. So all of your motions are backwards. Okay. And when you first learn how to do it, it's a little bit like a Doctor Strange love situation where you're like, I don't 
I'm not in control of my arm. Where is this going? <laughs> you just sort of float around, and it's... Uh, I don't know if they have any actual tape of us learning how to do it, but it's fascinating. And you just, I don't know, you have to retrain your brain to think about it. And then yeah. it gets easier. You have to sure. do all these exercises for it. But um, yeah, so he had to learn the choreography and do this dance and a mascot thing with Florence Henderson and a couple other mutations. But it's <laughs> But watching it in the monitor and it's all flipped backwards and it was like whole thing. I feel like sometimes you do see uh, outtakes uh, of Muppet uh, projects. Yeah. And whatever, the Muppet will be looking the wrong way. Yeah. And it's, oh, no, I'm over here. That's it. And I bet that's what's happening. That's why. Maybe you just let your mind uh, wander a little bit and yep. you suddenly, oh, all right, I have to reverse this. Well, one of the um, one of the things about it is if you're having to look directly in camera, finding eye focus can be difficult that way because you have to know where to snap in and look. And, mm -hmm. um, uh, I trained with the guy who uh, was Telly on Sesame Street for a little bit, and he said that it it isn't a matter of getting it right away. It's just making the time you correct it as small as possible. I see. Which I thought was really a great way of describing it, because that, that is essentially what it boils down to. It's like you just have to like snap into it and find it so quickly. Yep. But it's hard <laughs> it's a hard thing yeah. it's the only puppeteering is the only technical skill i have <laughs> it's the only objective thing i can do everything else i do, stand up writing acting that's all subjective it depends greatly on the success of it depends on whether or not some room full of strangers simultaneously are able to come together with their different experiences and you know, sensibilities and agree for a moment to have an involuntary response to something I am communicating to them. Yeah. And it's arrogant and stupid to think that that's possible, but every <laughs> once in a while it happens. Right. Uh, whereas puppeteering, if you learn how to do, if, you, if you're able to do it, it's just people love puppets. <laughs> I don't get it. I mean, I love them, yeah. but it's just crazy the... You know, having a have a having a skill where you're like, oh, I'm actually I'm good at this. Yep. This is a thing people like to see. Chances are it will succeed, <laughs> just based on if nothing yes. else, I can do it right. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, the so, uh, I focus. I feel like I was done with that. <laughs> That's fine because I just that thing about it's about adjusting. Mm -hmm. uh, I think is very helpful too to certain performers. Let's say if they were doing a character or something, it's not too different. I mean, you are creating a character yeah. and uh, making sure that they inhabit the real world. Right. And and often people like them. Sometimes they don't. <laughs> Please don't have free will. <laughs> but if you're up there and let's say you're, I don't have any experience with this. But if you're up there and you're performing as a character. Mm -hmm. um, it's about that that slight adjustment. You might not be right on it, but if you have to stay on it, yeah. but if you if you mess up, it's just about that adjustment to Constantly. get it back in there and to make sure that you're consistent within whatever world you're building and story you're telling. Yes, yeah, it's all about just like soft focus and yeah. reading. If you're too <laughs> if you're too uh, confined by what your concept is and what your reality is in that moment, and you're not paying attention to what people want then you know that's it 
You're that's over. It. That's the whole performing thing in a, in a nutshell, though, isn't it? I, that, I think so. I mean, that's how my... I, I don't do a ton of live puppetry. I haven't integrated it into... I do, I do one thing. Sometimes I'll close a set with it, with a different puppet I have. Um, I have two... I have two different live bits that I do, um, but not very often because I've been doing stand-up for 12 years, and by the time I started puppeteering, it, it was probably whatever 4 minus 12 is. Yep, 8. 8? Yeah. <laughs> so I've been doing stand-up about 7 or 8 years by the time I started puppeteering, and it's hard f- transitioning into having a thing yeah to like attaching to it because there's it just it the fear of it being sticky is so ingrained into my bones um and and I've gotten better at kind of letting that go but I think a lot of the fear comes from um seeing people do sort of added on aspects to stand up where they they were doing a thing before and were like Ah, stand-up's not that hard. I can just take this thing and I'll write a couple whatever. It's a very easy thing to do. And then you see it and then you see that not go well and you're like, "Oh, it's that's just what puppeteering on stage does." But in reality, it's like if you're good at A, then if you add B onto it by all reasoning, it should still be fine. Does that yes. make sense? It does. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> it prompts a couple thoughts in, in me. Please. Uh, one is that if you, you know, so much of Putting yourself out there as a stand-up is, and especially if you've done it eight years, you've established the kind of voice. Sorry. You okay? <laughs> this, this is getting to be a it's lot. It's emotional. I know. <laughs> I did a wrong pipe swallow. It's okay. Take a moment and, and be okay. There it is. Also, favorite water. Oh, you're welcome. My friend calls me Fiji bottles <laughs> instead of, I, and I've accepted Fiji water as my unofficial sponsor. Well, I got the memo. It's the so writer. good. My uh, my when I was a kid, I wanted to be a water critic, and I have a lot of very strong opinions about water, which is going to have to not be a thing anymore because we're running out of it. So I got to figure out how to like live capitalize with on it. that. Yeah. Yep. Put that up anyway. on Medium somewhere. Get it out there. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Uh, what were you saying? Yes. So much of stand-up, and if you've been doing it that long, is you establishing who you are on stage. Yes. And it's about like getting to some kind of place of honesty, and but also like understanding your person and your persona. So I would imagine introducing another persona into that, even if it's an extension of what you've already done, it becomes like, oh, now I'm a duo, and plus this is competing with what I've already That's a... F- <laughs> fantastic way of describing it that's really the that's what i was trying to get around to it's this it's this switch of like how do i do this without being a different version like a completely different person yeah and that's why i would never open with a puppet because i don't want to establish that that's who i am and that's who people are about to see right so i leave when i do do it i leave it as a closer and it's an effective way of closing my mom's uh, watched a couple people in different shows. She's like, they didn't like you. And then you brought out the puppet and they were the most excited of any. She's like, it's crazy to watch. These couple dudes, they just weren't having it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there's a doll on stage and they're just <laughs> the most invested of anybody in the room. So I know, you know, I know that it has the 
ability to work in situations, but there is that struggle of, do I end my performance completely switching gears as to what they've seen? Because that's not who I am on stage. Um, And kind of reconciling how important that is. Is it important to maintain the same thing? Or do you become a variety act? Which is also cool and fine. Um, Yes. But how to ever blend those two together. Yeah, exactly. And still speak in some kind of consistent voice is a a challenge. Yeah, finding consistency is what I've learned to be. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like consistency in your voice and confidence in what you're saying is sort of all you can do. Right. Because it's just, you're just free falling. (laughs) Um, And it's... uh, it's hard to figure out what, you know, like always what you can prepare ahead of time. I do a lot of crowd stuff and I, you know, I have very structured um, acts and jokes within it. But it's sort of it's sort of like a roadmap of I know that I'm going to say A, B and C, but within each of those, I'm going to kind of wander around. But I yeah. have things written in case that doesn't work. So no one's wasting their time. Um <laughs> But then, yeah, like, how do you, all all it takes really is just not letting people think that you're scared of yourself or them. It's just taming a wild animal. So then, you know, sometimes if it doesn't work, you take out a hand puppet and you just like sock at them for a little bit. Sock at them. Just sock at them. Yes. Um, And and that confidence in what you're saying, uh, will get you through the kind of sticky business. I mean, there's and something about shtick unto itself, which has a kind of negative thing, and I'm not sure if that's valid or not. But if you have confidence in what you're doing, even if it's a little heightened, let's say, um, you can get through it. And I think that's really, I think that's really what it comes down to, yeah. is it's uh, confidence and uh, a level of preparation that will at least ensure that someone that you're putting forth an effort to make sure it's for other people and not just for yourself yes um but yeah that's i think we really figured some stuff out today (laughs) i think we did i think we did and because everyone's doing a persona everyone's doing a little judgmental about that because of the degrees of it in this yeah but you know sometimes people are more honest as their character than they can be and i I think that's true f- for anyone on stage. I mean, I have a persona on stage sure. for sure. Everything, it's a little twist. It's how you magnify what you see in your normal life. I'm not funnier than a broken Furby or <laughs> like a guy who can't get out of a child's tide pool and keeps getting knocked over. I'm not funnier than that. No, no. But I do see things every day that I sort of Terminator scan. Uh-huh. And I'm like, is this funny? It's funny to me. Is it funny enough for me to try to figure out how to communicate it to other people? And then that has to be communicated through a different, for, through a filtration system. And the person saying it is definitely a heightened, more something version of who I am in my regular life. Yep. So no matter what form that takes on, it's like, that's what we're all doing and should be doing, honestly, because it's yes. more interesting. Yes. Yeah. Some people think it's so easy to just be themselves, but no. There's no such thing as yourself. (laughs) Thank you. Saying that is an incredibly socially manipulative (laughs) trickster. (laughs) I'm not. But you get the. But we all are. All performers are socially manipulative. 
Yes. We're just trying to do, and it's not bad. It's like you're just trying to make no. people happy. You're manipulating them in a good way, hopefully. Yeah, yes. exactly. Speaking of that, so you got the uh, the Henson application. You applied. Yes, you had a family connection to the Henson organization, which yeah. was nice, but didn't necessarily play into the factor there. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I, it was one of those things where you're like, well, this is never going to happen. But why not just sure. throw it in there? So I, I sent my reel. I sent my little blurb. And uh, just being like, oh, it's kind of cool that we've, I've got this family connection to it. It'll be fun to tell my parents about. Yeah. And then uh, a couple weeks later, I get an email saying that they've accepted me for an audition. So I'll just, the numbers were, um, I think it was something like 1,500 people worldwide applied. Yeah. 300 were brought into audition. 30 of us got accepted. And after the first two weeks, they cut that in half so i somehow skirted through the process and made it to the final 15 or 20 people that ended up being trained that's amazing that's a company yeah it was on kevin clash was our teacher for Uh a couple months uh he he was elmo and uh it was insane it was so unbelievably we're on the you know we're on the henson company lot which used to be the old charlie chaplin studio and which his, is which is where it's, in it's it. on la brea and okay. sunset oh, in LA. Okay. yeah yeah okay. um and there's like a little kermit with a cane and a hat at sure. the top of it it's it's a place where you walk onto the lot and you're like oh this is magic <laughs> and i'm you know they had they made us little meals before school every day little... you like that you like little meals <laughs> you're getting to know me so well yeah that's why i showed up i'm like whatever puppets are one thing but Little Free meals. spaghetti <laughs> really falls under the like elementary school cafeteria right. cortex. Um, so going back to the original original question, yes, how how you end up with a puppet? Our uh, second day of class, Kevin came in with a giant bag with a bunch of puppets in Ziploc baggies, like little like gallon zipper bags. That's how they travel. That's how they travel. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he just starts throwing them at us. He's just like one one to each of us and uh, just randomly. And they all had names or they just had words written on the package. So like maybe one of them had a name and then the other was just the color of the puppet. So he just throws one randomly at me and the word written on it was gray because he's kind of like a blue grayish puppet. Mm-hmm. But I read it as Gary. Yes. So I open it thinking its name is Gary and whatever happened in that moment, it was like, oh, and then it was alive instantly. Like it had its own personality. Just, I don't know. And I, I'm not, it sounds insane when I talk about my puppet and I don't usually do it because it feels crazy. Because it's developing this split personality within yourself, and I, I don't know. I I hate quirk and whimsy. I'm just going to come out and say it. My name's Phoebe Bottoms. I play banjo and have and do puppets, and I hate whimsy and any kind of quirk. But here I am, trapped in a quirk body as a relatively... I'm not even cynical. I just don't... Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> But so here I am with this puppet yeah. that I've just instantly he was this 
his own entity. And I love this thing so much. And he just, and I have other puppets. I have this beautiful one that my husband and I designed that a dear friend of mine built. And I use that on stage sometimes. Mm -hmm. But this one, Gary, is like, he's my boy. Yeah, He's my special boy. Uh, We're working on a show right now with him and uh he has to play a different character named pal and (laughs) who's this little puppet butler the show we're making is it's kind of a um mix between calvin and Hobbes and her Uh a little bit Uh um and not so different those two no yeah not not even a little bit (laughs) sort of imaginary yeah uh conceptual intimate relationships Mm -hmm. um so when we started working on this, I had to write a part for this puppet and the idea of switching his personality was so embarrassingly hard for me to do. Like the fact that Gary was going to become this other thing. I had to literally retrain my brain to be like, he's just playing a part. Yes. It's just this different thing. And now it's now he's very much he's very much pal. As we've been working on it, and he's developed this voice, and he has a different voice. I can't do voices, so I have, like, two. Well, I can do, like, old Jew, which is who I actually am on the inside of my body. So that's not even, like, doing a voice. It's just yeah. letting out the real person I am. But then I just kind of, like, up the octave of my voice a little bit for this puppet. And it's been really cool to use it in a different way. And I've it's crazy. But it feels crazy. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. You, you you probably have to remember that there's Gary, original yeah. Gary, inside of that. For sure. And <laughs> so you have to be like, okay, now he's playing a part. So yes. you give him license to do the things that he's doing. Absolutely. But to you, you know the true Gary. Yes. Yeah. And I know he's in there, but it's him being an actor. as And I really deeply love this character, Powell, so much. And it... Yeah. it uh, it's nice to be able to, you know, go between the two of them now. But yeah, Gary's very brash and rude and, you know, he's, he's fine. He's just like, he's just kind of a piece of shit. And pal's incredibly like wide eyed and giving. He's a little puppet butler, basically (laughs) just learning about the world. He works for a human family. He works for uh, one human guy named Paul. Okay. Who is, um, uh, kind of like a modern man of leisure and uh, through some circumstance gets this creation called a help which is this new device and it's kind of their life together I love it it's it's a lot of fun it sounds terrific and I just want to uh, admit to just being so moved by your story about oh, Gary good and because I don't know that it was random I believe that you know I like whimsy but beyond that I like Destiny. I like destiny too. And I like that objects have um, a certain kind of awareness in you know that that things come to us for a reason. As I was telling it, it hadn't. As I was telling you, I hadn't really realized how random it was. Uh huh. Because no one asks about the specific puppets. They ask about sort of the general, you know, like training and everything, which is great. And yeah. it's I love talking about it, and I'm more than happy to you know, sit down and go back and forth about sort of the broad, what's Henson like? What's the training like? But no one asks about Gary. (laughs) And while going 
into it, it could have I could have just gotten another puppet thrown at me and it would have changed my life. Yeah. Maybe not for the better. It may have just like flatlined. I it would have been fantastic to have this other puppet, but Right. Any other one of these puppets, but Gary's like. But Gary found you. Yeah, and I can't imagine any of the other ones because they're all different colors. And, of course, yeah. But there was no other choice. There's no other choice. Um, yeah, it makes me a little emotional. I can tell. It's me odd. too. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's just fun. It's like how I found my dogs. Yeah. You know, it's the yeah. same thing where you just sort of it just runs in front of your car one night, and you're like, all right, I guess. This is I'm I guess I'm better now. Right, I guess right. I'm a better version of me. And now we're together. Now we're together. <laughs> well, be, with this this idea, this kind of like mystical sense of the universe being out there and maybe guiding us, maybe not. What about witches? About witches? Yes. What do you You have some kind of witch activity that oh. you do? <laughs> I there's this not really. Uh, and forgive me for extrapolating from social media. Extrapolating but, away. But I feel like you were posting something about going to a, a desert environment. So happy to talk about it. Uh, and it's an interest of mine, both the desert and witches. <laughs> sure. That I just, it piqued my curiosity. Absolutely. And uh, so uh, there's a thing that uh, for five years in a row now, my friends and I uh, do called Witch Weekend. Yes. Which is we rent out... Um, you know, a compound in the desert. And by that, I mean like a house of Palm, in Palm Springs with enough bedrooms and a pool to float in. Uh, kind of a horizontal condo. Yes. Yeah. One of those <laughs> one of those flat condos you're yeah. always seeing yes. that people are always t- going on about. Standalone flat condo. Yeah, very yeah. confusing. <laughs> it takes me a while to like acclimate to it. Yep. I'm like, what is, what condo is this? <laughs> All right. Like I have a tortoise and I know he has a condo on his back. That's true. That's one of those, but <laughs> somewhere in between a high rise and a tortoise shell. Yes. Um, in Palm Springs, you said. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it started off in Palm Springs, but. Now Palm Springs ruined itself. It's so stupid. They they made all these ordinances and laws where you can't listen to music at any time during oh. the day. And I'm like, how do you guys think you're making your money as a town? It's right. through tourism. Right. And now you're just whatever. So it's not fun to go there anymore. Okay. Um. So we. But it's been more fun finding other weird places around. Yeah. So a couple of years ago we went to Temecula and this year we were Oh, Temecula, lovely wineries down winery there. Winery town. Yes. Yeah, it was like it was really cool and much more rolling rolling green hills than the desert. Yeah. I like the desert, but it's not my favorite topography. <laughs> Of the topographies. I was only out there recent, recently and yeah. for the first time in Joshua Tree while everything was blooming. That's Now that's Magical. a time to go. Magical. Incre- incredible. Yeah. But as far as, you know, I mean, no one put me on blast on this. The desert's great, but I, I'm more of a Northern California guy. Like, I'm put me on the one and just send me north. Get me to those know? redwoods. Oof. Put a little fog in there. Put some fog in there, please. Yeah. Give me a marine layer and I'm happy. Absolutely. Yeah. Cliffside. Thank you. Forest on the other. Uh, yeah. Uh, prehistoric. Thank you. To the right. Majestic expanse to the left. What yep. do I mean? That's if you're going north, swap it on yeah. the south side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, couldn't ask for anything more. Going up the five to San Francisco too, when it's beautiful and rolling, it looks like a Microsoft desktop picture. <laughs> it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah, and the fog. 
the fog. Throw fog in there again. Again, you're in for it. Sometimes it's a little hairy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yes. Um, anyway. Saying, so you found a different location. You found a different location. I want to get to the witches, though. The witches, they're coming up. <laughs> okay. Thank you for listening to my uh, my preference in landscape. I could I could listen to you describe landscapes. <laughs> That's for a different And microclimates. <laughs> <laughs> microclimate. Hooray. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get a public access show called Microclimates with Phoebe Bottoms. I'm telling you. It's just a PowerPoint of different screensaver pictures. Um, okay. So we rent a house every year. Yes. And it's anywhere ranging from like, I think one year we had, oh, like 20 girls. And then uh, this year there were 12 of us, which is great. It was much more the core group. Um, All witches, no warlocks. No warlocks. Okay. So it's uh, it's this group of friends, a lot of them animators. Um, and... We it just sort of took on the name Witch Weekend the first year because it sounded fun. None of us are, you know, we're not like Wiccans or it's not our day to day life as witches. But uh-huh. you sort of the the idea of it is that women don't get to spend any concentrated time together usually mm-hmm. in a way where you know you get to float around naked in a pool all day and just sort of. Just not be—I don't know—just get away from it all. Yes, and um, you know, being—it's like finding female friends is difficult in the way that we're sort of institutionally made to feel naturally competitive and critical of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, comes a lot from. And I think, honestly, exclusively from sort of being told, like, hey, you're not good at, you know, culturally, like, this is what's wrong with you. And maybe you could be a little more of X or Y. And you sort of are pitted against each other professionally and physically and spiritually and all these different ways. And right. I, I uh, the majority of my friends are old men because I started doing stand up when I was 17. And then all my dude friends were like late 20s, <laughs> mid 30s. Idiots, um, but I also really I've always gotten along with and had close female friends. But then when I moved to LA, I found this this group, and it was uh, it really makes a huge difference to have a separate uh, clump of women to be friends with that you can go do something like this with. So the idea of the weekend is you know like a f- Thursday or Friday to a Sunday where we just get to hang out together in this naturally non-judgmental group everyone that comes there there's not a lot of intention behind you know we don't do any trust exercises or anything it's just like hey let's just go have some fun yeah float around buy a bunch of groceries and graze all day and then uh we do (laughs) on saturday night we do do a ceremony here we go which is a lot of fun yeah and, and you don't have to give me the specifics of it if it's a private thing. No, I don't, no, I don't no. want to pry. It's it's uh it's not. And I, I'm happy to talk about it in hopes that it will encourage any listeners to get their own group together yes. and go do this because it's incredibly fulfilling. Um and it's fun to just kind of let go of inhibition to the sense where you're you're able to kind of free fall into just being a little witch for a weekend. Sure. It's silly and fun. And, you know, we get like crystals and sit in a circle and um, 
you know, do candle magic and stuff. It's really, it's, yeah. And I think that that kind of thing is as beneficial as you want it to be and what you get out of it. And it's not our everyday life. And I kind of make, I I think that makes it more powerful is it feels like a real, um, a real let go of whatever judgment you carry around about things and whatever sort of, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of like a female Yom Kippur. You just sort of, you like throw your breadcrumbs into a stream and you, which I never, you're letting all the ducks eat your sins. You know what I mean? After, after services. They deserve it. I don't, I don't know if they do. (laughs) I don't know. Some of those ducks. Look, (laughs) I get it if you've met some rude ducks. We all have. Yes. They're an aggressive group. Swans don't get me started. They break arms. Yes. Actively. I've had one chase me. Did you really? Yeah. I think we've all had that. You're not a real adult until you've had a swan encounter. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Anyway, but it's this kind of thing where it's this, uh, it's sort of shedding all of this shit you carry around and then you start this new year as some kind of, you know, female organism. And is it, is it tied to the solstice? Is it, is it tied no, to any? No, it's, it's just tied to whenever when everyone everybody can, can do it. Get, to, get away from work. <laughs> I think that's even better because, yeah. you know, then you'd have some people dropping out or, or right. joining different drum circles or something. Stay in our drum circle. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and then we drink sort of poison juice and we all die uh, and, and are reincarnated to a. No. Oh, so it gets really into the cult. They take oh, we a go hard through left. a different cycle of women every year because <laughs> oh. no one makes it out of Witch Weekend, except for me. I've developed. Well, I train on the poison all year round. <laughs> Don't let them catch on. Nope. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, that's... that's. Uh, oh, it sounds hugely restorative, and I feel like it should almost be mandatory for anybody moving to Los Angeles to get a packet absolutely. and an invitation to a Witch Weekend where you can get away from that place yeah. a little bit and from the pressures that we uh, feel. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, when you check into California and they give you your state mandated silver Prius, <laughs> they should also give you that packet. That's right. That's right. Um, do you have plans for the winter solstice? No. Yeah. I'll okay. get them. Uh, I'll get some plans together. Oh, I have no doubt. When is it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's coming up in, uh, in January De- or December, right? Probably. Like the first. Uh, I'm not a good I'm not a good day-to-day witch. Okay, I'll send you a a calendar, a little planner. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) With all the right things to burn. Fantastic. You know, uh, we have them at the shop. Um, Okay, well, uh, I I do miss Los Angeles, though. I will say that. Let's talk about LA a little bit. I, I just miss Los Angeles this time of year. I always like Thanksgiving in Los Angeles. I can't explain it. It doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make I'm any from the sense. East Coast. But it's like a little bit warm. You might get a little bit of fog, but it's like basically cool enough for a sweater vest, perhaps a turtleneck that you roll up halfway through the day. Yep. And uh, you know, it's just it feels like it happens earlier. <laughs> I mean, just like if you're going through even just the three hour time difference, you're not wrong. Yeah. Practically, it it happens three hours before. That's right. But then you have more time in the evening. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. Um, Yeah, it's I love L.A. New York is fantastic. Sure. We love New York. (laughs) It's I feel like being in New York is sort of just a Mr. Magoo cartoon for me, though. I just yeah. sort of, like, stumble through the day getting from one thing to another, and it's sort of <laughs> constantly providing what I need. 
as this regenerating organism where you're like, I, you know, like I need a sandwich. And all of a sudden the, pl- like the place that you're supposed to end up is right next to a sandwich place or like, Oh no, I need tampons. And then it's also attached to a pharmacy and you're like, New York, what a town. Yeah. <laughs> you're just constantly. That's right. And it, it isn't even, it feels like divine intervention, but it really is just probability because everything's so packed together. You're bound to be next to a Starbucks and like a corner store at yes. any given time. Yes. Which is fantastic because I'm Elegantly used to urban designed. sprawl. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. But yeah, I do. I do love L.A., <laughs> which is embarrassing because everyone loves to hate it. Ah, it's I not that bad. I hated it the first couple of years and then you kind of. Where's that? Yeah. It really does. Yeah. It breaks you down. It's a yeah. Stockholm city. <laughs> um, and will you be doing Thanksgiving or anything there, or will you go back to Minneapolis? I usually, we do Thanksgiving in L.A., yeah. and then go to uh, Minneapolis for Christmas for my Holidays. husband's family. Uh-huh. And will Gary have a place at the table? Always. Oh, good. My sweet boy. <laughs> so glad. Um, and so you're heading back, uh, and then you'll be back again. And Every back, month. All the time. Yep. It's so wonderful. It's great. Um, I'm really glad you came in. I'm so, I'm so glad also. Thanks so much for having me. This has been terrific, and I wish you continued success. Ah, you too. Oh, Phoebe Bottoms, hater of whimsy. Can you imagine? My thanks to Fiji Bottles, I mean Phoebe Bottoms, for joining me, and to Gary for his spirit, which we certainly conjured and honored in that room. Follow Phoebe on the social media platforms, or just keep an eye out for a blue furry puppet named Gary. This time of year, that's good advice. I wish you all a very happy Halloween, and remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night is independently produced and performed by James Bewley, Season 12 podcast icon illustrated by Lars Litaro. Deep Night Season 12 theme by Zach Gabbard. Music throughout the episode provided by the talented roster at Howler Hills Farm. Production studio space provided by Harvest Works in New York City. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts and listen to us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Spotify. Thanks for listening. And this season, I encourage you to leave your portals open.